Today we're going to be in Luke 19. And uh, Palm Sunday, I was asked the other day uh, if, if Pastor Chad and I would be preaching the same message at each location since it's Palm Sunday, but it doesn't work quite that way. God kind of gives a message, and if we know anything from Christmas time, was uh, there were two different words that lined up well together, and I think, I think we'll see that today. Um, Every time I think about Palm Sunday and just the, the way Jesus rode in on uh, on that colt into the town, I think about if I was in that crowd, I know I probably would have cheered for his entry. Uh, but then I wonder, because we know a lot of them also cheered for Barabbas to be chosen over Jesus, right? So where was their hearts, right? And I, I often think, like, I wonder where my heart would have been in that time period. And... uh it's easy to look at it and say, how could they miss it? But mostly because they didn't have the scripture that we have. And uh, they did have the Old Testament scriptures that spoke of him. But so I'm actually not going to go right into that. We're actually going to start in verse 11 uh, of Luke 19. And, and this is a parable Jesus tells right before he heads to Jerusalem. Right now he's in Jericho. And he's about to head to Jerusalem and he tells this parable I believe to get people's hearts where they needed to be before he goes and does this, right? He wants them to know who, what, what is going on. So um, Luke 19, verse 11 says, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So, Jericho is very close to Jerusalem, and that's why they say that. And uh, Now, I, I want to let you know that as it says, um, as they said here, they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Most people knew that this was the time for Messiah, but they also believed it was the time for a political savior. They thought this was going to be the time for... Uh, for an overthrowing of government. And so I we have to remember that that, that that's where ha- most of these people were at there would, would have been what were called uh, Zionists. They would have been very on fire to see this happening and and this is very close to um we're getting close to 40 days from Passover. And in this time period there would have been a lot of people traveling still. There would have been Passover is a huge time in Jerusalem area. So that uh, many uh, scholars and such believe it probably would have been a pretty crowded area even at this time, would have gotten more crowded as time went on. Um, but Jesus is explaining this parable that he's about to get into here. Um, he's about to get in a parable about a king who goes away. And he, he it shows us that Jesus already knows what's going to happen. He already he's trying to prepare people's hearts for what they're going to see, and uh, so when we get into this king that goes away, he's talking about himself. And so this is uh, he goes on to verse twelve, and he says, "He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom." And I want you to hear what he says: a noble man because we're going to come to that here in a minute. A noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return, 
calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. Now, a mina is different than a talent. This is probably not the same, uh, well, it isn't the same as what we see, and I think it's Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. This is actually different. Parable of talents is the gifts that we each get. Each one of us has a different gift, It's uh, and we all you know, have to use that how it comes. This is ten minas divided amongst ten servants. They each had an equal share. This is, re- this is actually referring to the gospel. Okay, this is not a gift. This is the gospel. We all have an equal portion of it. It's the same thing. It's Jesus. It's the gospel. So we have to understand that he's referring to the good news here. A mine is about three months' wages. Right. It's uh, it was a lot of money, but the the what we for us this is him referring to the gift that we all received together. It's the the uh, the gospel because we all had an equal portion in it. Um, Acts one eight says, "But you will receive power from." Uh, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is the same thing he's saying here is, is you're going to engage in business until I come. That's what he's telling these ten servants, right? And I want you to understand as servants, there's going, there, there's going to be a point to where we talk about the citizens here. And there's a difference in a servant and a citizen. The servants are actually serving the king. The nobleman. The citizens are just people who live in the area. Verse 14 says it. He says, but his, his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Now, these are not the servants. These are the people who live in the area, right? Just kind of like us. We have a lot of people who want nothing to do with Jesus. Yet we serve Jesus. And we have to understand that. And verse 15 says, When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. And uh, the first one's up there in verse 14. It talks about the citizens who hated him. You notice he didn't come back and address those citizens right away. That wasn't as important to him as what did the servants do? Those who are called my servants, to which we know in the end times, that's the way it works, right? He's going to come to us first, and he's going to see what we are doing. And so um, verse 16, the first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has 10 minus more, has made 10 minus more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And there's a lot to be said just by that little bit of a verse. And uh, I'm going to share this next verse before I go right into that one. And second comes, came and said, Lord, your mina had made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities calls him good and faithful servant you're to be over five cities i I want us to remember that uh the first thing he says each of these servants say they don't say i created 10 minus or i created five minus look what i did he says your mina created it your mina earned it right and they're giving the glory to to the servant to the or to the nobleman to the 
to the Lord, their Lord, saying, Lord, it's because of you that this is happening, right? And we have the gospel. If we go out and share the gospel, we have nothing we can take credit for. The gospel speaks for itself. We have the greatest message ever. There's nothing better, right? But if we go out and we share the word, God will bless that, and it'll come back more, right? Wow, I went out and shared the gospel, and 10 people were saved, right? Lord, I went out and gave them your gospel, and look what happened. Look what you did, right? And so what does he do for those he says that were good and faithful? He doesn't send them on vacation. He doesn't tell them to go home and rest, and he doesn't he doesn't do anything like we would think. He doesn't say, hey, it's time to retire now. You've done good. Now it's time for the next one. No, he said, hey, now I'm giving you more authority. Now I'm not just giving you 10 minus. Now I'm giving you 10 cities to rule over. And so whenever we, we are found faithful and good, God said, hey, I got more for you. There's more for you to do, right? But sometimes we think, oh, let's go celebrate this and just relax a little bit. I've done a good thing. But Jesus said, no, it's time to do even more. I can trust you now. And and we get into this with these guys that, uh, that they were they were doing this for the Lord. They were doing it for the right purposes, and they were sharing only what the Lord had. And, and then the Lord says, hey, go do more here. Go do more here. I, I'm going to trust you with more. I need you to do this. I need you to be a leader. I need you to rule. I need you to do because they were found worthy of it. And then the next one comes. Another one came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. And I always think when I hear this is I think we do this sometimes. I think we we take the gospel, we hear the gospel, we receive the gospel, we want to serve the Lord, and then we just kind of keep the gospel behind, but we don't we don't leave it in a handkerchief, we just we just kind of uh keep it in our hearts out of a fear, right? And that uh and we do this in, in verse twenty one it goes on to say, For I was afraid of you. Because you are a severe man, you take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And this is the very thought that whenever we hear the gospel and we're ready to go out and we just start having cold feet and we start being fearful of what if I say something wrong? Will God be mad at me? What what if I do this and and people hate me? Or, you know, we have a million excuses why we don't share the gospel. And that's what this guy had. He had a good excuse, right? And even to the point of... Hey, you're already reaping what you didn't sow. He's already saying, look, you can do it on your own. You don't even need me. God can do it on his own. Right? And I think we get that place. Our hearts can get to the point to where we don't realize that maybe God doesn't need us. You know what? He wants to use us. He wants to trust us. He wants to give us that option. He, you know, sure, if he wanted to, he can snap his fingers and give visions to everybody and and everybody just starts getting saved but he wants to use us he wants us to be a part of that you know he wants to bless us from what we're what he's doing through us and i like that he wants to use me one of the uh best uh analogies i ever heard for this concept of uh how god wants to use his children 
was JT one time talked about whenever he carries the milk in from his car to his house after he goes to the store. A milk jug ain't much for JT to carry in. But when his little boy wants to come and help and he comes with his hands underneath it while JT's actually holding it, but his hands are underneath it, he gets to help him carry that into the house. And now the son was part of what JT was doing. JT didn't need him, but they got to do it together. And I, I always think of that of how God wants us to be, right? And then one day, JT will be able to trust his son to carry that milk into the house. But at first, we get to walk with him, right? We get to walk with God. We get to share the gospel because God's gospel is itself. It's its own thing. God does it through us. And he says, come on, guys, let me show you. And we walk out and we open our mouths and God just starts speaking. Or maybe it ain't even that. Maybe... Maybe you don't even have to go out and speak. Maybe God's saying, hey, I want you to provide for the gospel. Maybe I want you, whatever it is God's putting on our heart, and we say, I can't do that, or I'll somebody else to do it, or, you know, I don't want to mess up, or, you know, we put limitations on it, and that was where this very servant was. He was limiting what God can do through him. He put a limit on it. And this is one of the scariest things you could ever hear. And the the Lord said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I collected it with interest and uh God can do anything with his gospel. Like I said, he don't have to have us. He wants to use us. Right? He wants us to be a part of his story. He can put he can do whatever he wanted with the gospel, but he wanted to use us and if we could have even if we didn't want to do what God's calling us to do, then why are we taking the gospel? Why what are we doing with it, right? And then I I like the words in this which are kind of scary, but he said I will condemn you with your own words. I will condemn you with your own words. And we know that you reap what you sow, but we also know that uh, God's wrath is going to be poured out by, by how we see that, right? And sometimes it's just letting go and letting us, you know, give in to where we're at. But what if you reaped, what if God condemned you with your own words, with the things you spoke? Think of that. What if, what if you said, ah, somebody else would do it, and God says, you're right. Somebody else will get blessed. Or what if God say, or you say, I'm not good enough, and God's like, you're right, you're not good enough. What if he starts condemning you with the words you speak unto yourself? Now, we know our God's loving, and as servants, it don't necessarily happen that way, but what if what you're speaking and the things that your 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 heart believes, God starts giving that to you? Right, And that's what he said. He said, I'm going to use your very words, the very things you're saying and doing, I'm going to use them against you. I'm going to give it to you. I have a harsh God. Okay, I'll be harsh if that's what, you, what your God is, is harsh, right? I have a God who can't use me. Okay, I won't use you then. Right? We have to remember, like, we have a God that wants to use us. And that's what we should be speaking is, God, I know you want to use me. Show me how you want to use me. God, I know you love me. Show me how much you love me. Right? We we speak so negative in our nation now. 
We're so we're harder on ourselves than anybody else usually ever is. And we, we doubt ourselves more than what we ever should because God in us can do anything. Anything he wants to do. And we should be speaking that. We should be we should wake up in the morning and say, like, Lord, I know you're going to do something. I don't know what it is, but use whatever you're going to use to get it. Guess what happens then? God can use that. He can't use the negative. He can't use the, the lack of action. He can't. He's going to take what we believe, and that's all we can do. That's all he can use. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, I want you to understand, this is not the same judgment that the citizens get. He's not saying, torture him and throw him in hell. He's saying, look, take the blessings he was going to get from that mina and give them to the ones that are actually using it, right? That's what he's saying here. Guy's still a servant. He's just not a trustworthy servant. He's just not able to be used. He's still a servant. He didn't say take away his servanthood, you know. He didn't ne- he never once said that. But he said I can't bless that guy. I can't bless the one who's not putting my my mind into action, putting it to work, allowing me to to bless him. God's only going to bless those who are being faithful and good to him. Right? Not that they're going to go to hell, not that they're going to lose their salvation. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, I will bless you where I can bless you, and if there's nothing to bless, how can I bless it? Right? But as for those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Now these are the ones who... who uh, Neglected him, who who rejected him as king, right? And and I want you to remember, he was. It was a noble man who left, who came back as a king. And that that whole story is actually a pretty pretty neat story. It's uh it's actually how uh, what's the name Archelaus or whoever it was who was coming after Caesar died and our Herod died and Archelaus's son was going sent out to uh he had to leave and all these people rose up against him and said they didn't want him as their king right and then he comes back as a conquering king and he actually does kill off some people so it's actually he was using a story that actually happened but he was telling it from his standpoint right uh so we see these things happen right before uh what we call the triumphal entry, the, the Palm Sunday message. And I'm going to carry into that, and I'm going to try to make it quicker. But uh, verse 28 says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now, this is a thought thing. This is a thing that Jesus just told this parable knowing what his next week looks like. And to me, I don't know about you guys, but that that hits hard knowing that he is entering into the city where people wanted to kill him. There was a price on his head, and he's entering into the city because of me. He's going right into this, walking right in. 
which would make people think that if he knows they're going to attack him and he's coming in, most people are thinking, all right, war's about to happen. Something's going to go down here. When he drew near to uh, Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, going to the village in front of you where you... uh, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. Um, we hear about this colt a lot, but one thing I will say, the difference between him going in on a colt and a war horse is huge for us. It's huge. Because if he was going in as a, uh, on a war colt, it meant he was going into battle. Or he was going in as conquering kings. Conquering kings would come in with a with a war horse. They would have looked overwhelming in power, and they would have been claiming the land. He went in on a colt. The people who went in on colts were noblemen, right? Uh, we know from Zechariah nine nine, I think it is, where it talks about him riding in on a colt as the prince of peace, right? He's riding in as a prince of peace. That is what he's doing here. And the fact that the colt had never been ridden, it is telling us that he is a noble man not replacing another noble and not taking over the place of another one. It's telling us that he is the only one. He is the first and the only Prince of Peace. So this is actually very important of what he does here. It, it First and foremost, it fulfills Scripture. But he's also saying, hey, I'm not riding after anybody else. This is my, my, my nobleness. Nobody else can take the, pl- the place of me. Nobody else is the prince of peace. I am it. I'm not coming to conquer. He's trying to lay it out like it's, it's there. Now, mind you, hindsight's 2020. We look back at it, we can say, oh, yeah, they should have knew that. In the moment... Guys riding in on a colt, you're thinking like, all right, this is about to get real, right? We're about to have freedom here on earth. We're about to overthrow the kingdom, which was never Jesus' thought, right? If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, his owners, the owner said to them, why are you untying this colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it, and as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. For all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And that is amazing. And this is a thing that as you see the response to what they're doing here, they didn't understand who he was. It's wonderful that they were rejoicing. It's wonderful that they were praising him. It was wonderful that they were saying, you know, he's glory to uh, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You know, they're blessing the name of the Lord, which is the exact same 
uh, procession you would have used when a conquering king came in. The exact same thing. When a conquering king came into town, there would be a parade that comes through. He would have been riding on a horse, and everybody would have been praising and waving palm branches. Right? And they would have been declaring him the new king. Which is good, and it's bad, because they didn't get it. They thought he was going to be a conquering king there on earth. We know that he's actually going to go conquer death. Right? We know that's where he's going to conquer. But they 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 didn't quite get it. And so we I'm not going to go all the way into everything here, but I'm not going to read the whole scripture because we don't have all that time. But whenever a conquering king would come in after conquering and they come in and they're praising his name and they're worshiping him and they're cheering and they're waving their palm branches and they're declaring him the new king, the first thing he would do is go to the temple. Guess where the first place Jesus went? To the temple. What they would do right when they got to the temple was they would make a sacrifice to the God that they served. Guess what Jesus did? He began tearing down the religious people and telling them how wrong they are. He didn't make a sacrifice yet. Instead, he's trying to upend the church. He's trying to correct the temple. And then he cleanses the temple by turning over the tables. He wasn't a normal king. Wasn't who he was. He was different. And then later on, he becomes the sacrifice. It's a whole different kind of concept than we're used to. He just turned the game upside down. There's there's a whole different thing. So these people are sitting here watching this, and they're like, what's going on? This isn't the guy we thought he was. Right? He should have sacrificed an animal. He should have been ready to fight. You know, we're here with him. Then in verse 39, said, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And they were trying to stop him. But all of creation knew this was going to go down. And these people were cheering. And uh, Ryan, you can come back up. But it, uh, I'm going to close out here in a minute. But I, I want us to remember a few things here. That whenever Jesus comes back, he's the king of kings. Right? But when he left out, he's, he's going in like he's a nobleman. Like he's the prince of peace because he was. He knew they were after his head and he could have had every right to fight. And he didn't because he wasn't worried about the kingdom of earth. He's worried about the kingdom of heaven. And his whole plan was always focused on the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes we get to the point to where we're celebrating a Jesus that is going to do the things we want him to do. Sometimes we have a Jesus that we're following that is not the Jesus of Scripture. We're trying to have Jesus come and do things Jesus never had any intentions of doing. And I believe when you start seeing, you know, throughout the week, you start seeing all these things happening to Jesus, people are mad. 
They're angry. They're like, oh, we thought this was our conquering king. We thought this was the guy who was going to overthrow the government. We thought this was our political savior. We thought this was the one that was going to get us out of slavery. They had a lot of ideas of who Jesus was. But they never knew who Jesus was, most of them. And that's why whenever it comes down to asking, who do you want, Barabbas or Jesus? The logical answer over and over would be Jesus, even even if you didn't believe he's the Messiah because he did nothing wrong. But there was so much anger in him that Jesus wasn't who they wanted him to be. They chose the worldly guy over him. And now I think most of us choose Jesus, but we've got to make sure we're following the right Jesus. We've got to make sure our hearts are right also because he said when the king leaves, whenever the nobleman leaves, I'm giving you something to go out and invest. And, and there's a lot to the triumphal entry. There's a lot to Palm Sunday. But it comes down to our hearts. Where are our hearts at? Who are we serving? And what kind of blessings are you going to get in the end? We could be the citizens looking for a different Jesus. Jesus is not scriptural. The Jesus that is our own personal Jesus that we've created for ourselves. Well, that's not the Jesus I follow, or that's the Jesus I love, or this is the Jesus. My Jesus does this, or my Jesus does that. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Savior. And it better line up with Scripture. Right? And then it takes that those of us who are accepting the real Jesus, do we trust Him? with his gospel do we trust that he can do something with it and are we trying to reinvest it are we trying to spread it are we trying to to have the return be bigger than us the return on that on that you know we should be bearing fruit and when we bear fruit it's not because of us it's because of the gospel we have the greatest like if I gave you money and I said hey here's three months wages if you just go invest it that money will, will take care of itself. All you got to do is go invest it, but it'll take care of itself. You guys will be like, I'm in. Where do I get this miracle money that's going to, no matter what's going to return a, a, a yield? It's going to return a profit. You'd be like, show me how to do that. Instead of sometimes we're like, I don't know because if I share this, it may return void. It may not, something may not happen or I may... You know, my life may be worse off because of it. But we have a miracle investment we can make here. We just share the gospel and God does the rest. That is the draw. Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ. When you share the real Jesus Christ, there'll be a return on investment right there. Bigger than we've ever seen. And and then... It has nothing to do with us because it's Jesus that is the investment. It's Jesus that's doing the work, and He's the one that's winning hearts over. And then we get blessed just because we shared it. We get to be blessed in the kingdom forever. And there's even worldly blessings that you'll receive in this time period, and you'll have God to give you more. He'll say, hey, we can trust you with this. Let me give you more. Let me give you more. Right? And then, like, eventually you look back and be like, wow, what just happened? But it's not a, a the 
what Jesus is doing here is it's simple. It's very easy. We just complicate it. You know, Jason talked about we did the, the outreach yesterday. We went door to door. And how many of you know that whenever you think about the concept of knocking on everybody's door in your neighborhood and just inviting them, how many of you know that the thought process of that is huge? You're like, man, that, what could go wrong? What could happen? And you start thinking of all these reasons why it's a bad idea. Until you go up and you knock on the first door. And yesterday when we knocked on the first door, uh, I had and uh, Amanda with me. We go up and knock on the first door. The first thing Amanda says is, why didn't we do this sooner? Right? This is easy. Sharing Jesus is easy. It's very easy. We complicate it. We make it hard. We have the, the easiest thing to invest, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. I don't know about you, but when I heard the good news and I received the good news, it was the greatest day of my life. And we're given an option to other people to receive the greatest day of their life. It's not too hard to do. If I say, hey, man, you guys want $10 million, every one of you are going to be like, yeah, I'll take it. But what's better than that? Hey, do you want eternal life in Jesus Christ? Do you want to spend your life with Jesus for forever? Do you want that joy that's beyond anything else? Do you want the Holy Spirit living in you? Do you want an authority that goes beyond your thinking? And every one of you be like, yes. Yet we go out and we're like, I don't know if people want that or not. No. I'll tell you what, we're crazy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just challenging you guys. I'm challenging myself because sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I should share this with these people. They're going to think I'm nuts. Good. We are a little nuts. But Jesus isn't. Jesus can bless it if we just go out. He can't bless it if we don't. And uh, We have a lot of opportunities coming up. We have New More Outreach. We have United Body of Christ we're connecting with here in Henderson. And just so you know, May 2nd through May 6th, there's going to be a tent revival at Harbor House here in Henderson that we're going to be a part of. Uh, so mark your calendars for that because we believe there's going to be good fruit in that. But we just want to we just want to share the gospel. We just want to see people saved. And how that looks, I don't know. But I'm willing to jump out there and just share it. I'm willing to invest the gospel. Right? And we all have the same kind of thing to invest. We can make this work. There was ten of them. There's more than ten people here. There was ten of them. So, all right, I'm going to pray. And I hope you guys pray with me and then we'll just worship. And I'll come up and close us out. And we'll, we'll go out and we'll, we'll do this. We'll, we'll be some gospel sharing people. So. so, Father God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, Jesus, that you uh, your plans are so much bigger than ours. Things that we don't always understand, Lord, you... Uh, got it. You're taking care of it. You gave us the good news, Lord. You gave us the promise of, of life forever with you. You have blessed us so much. You've blessed us beyond beyond what we could ever repay, Lord. And you just asked us to take that out and give it away. 
to invest that in others, Lord. And I pray as we do that, God, that you would just show us how, not only how simple, but also how pleasing that is to you and for us, Lord. Help us be faithful. Help us be good to you, Lord. Let us not hold back. So, Lord, as we pray and we worship you, Lord, I pray you would just change our hearts, God. Sometimes it can be overwhelming when you think about sharing the gospel or even how you can do that because sometimes you might think like I just have all this going on or I can't go door to door or I can't do this or I can't do that and I want to leave you with a story I've shared here before but I think it's important that we know it and it's Mike and I were in Dallas a few years ago at the National Youth Leaders Conference and we're learning so much that week from some of the you know, what you would almost consider the all-star team of, of youth leaders in America. But there's this older couple that comes out there, probably about 80, a man and a woman. Uh, and for years, they were youth leaders at their church. And uh, it was a small church, so they never had more than like four or five youth kids in that church at any time. And they only knew of one kid who ever actually received the gospel in their church. And... Uh, so they always kind of thought like I couldn't do much you know they thought like okay we have this one but what you know it's just one so they never knew they had made any impact but they were doing what God called them to do and uh, they never I don't know that they ever felt like failures they just didn't ever feel like they did much right but they were being obedient the lady said that you know you can you can know how many seeds you planted right but you never know what that produces and so the one person they know that they reached in their youth group was a lady named Jeannie Mayo and uh, Jeannie Mayo for those who don't know for youth is kind of like Billy Graham she's raised up more youth leaders in America than anybody ever has right they didn't know this they just knew that Jeannie was their friend and she does some kind of youth ministry they had no idea but they're standing out on this stage and there are probably I'd say 10,000 maybe youth leaders in front of them that Jeannie Mayo who runs this conference was responsible for blessing and pouring into they don't know how many thousands upon thousands of teenagers she's led to the Lord, but it's been thousands upon thousands. And they're looking out and they're just crying. And her her response was, anybody can count the amount of seeds they've planted. But nobody knows how much fruit comes out of that one seed. Because that one seed's going to produce more fruit. It's going to grow into a tree, produce more fruit, and then those seeds are going to produce more fruit, and those seeds are going to produce more fruit. 
It has nothing to do with us. We can't produce fruit. All we can do is share what God's given us to share. And that He takes care of the rest. Right? That's why they said, your mina has produced ten minas. Your mina. It's your gospel that produces the Lord, not ours. So when we do what the Lord calls us to do, He'll take care of the rest. We just got to be good and faithful and He does the rest. And uh, we may never know how much fruit it bears. We may never know what the, the, the return on it is until we get to heaven and God says, you have no idea. You were just being good and faithful and look at all this. So we don't have to be distracted by what's returning. We have to be focused on doing what we're called to do and reinvesting it. I'm going to close with some prayer and I hope that makes it a little simpler for us when we go out that we don't have to worry about the results. We worry about doing what, what we're called to do. So, Father God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, God, that you let us. You let us be a part of your plan. You let us. You let us go out and speak to people. You let us be a part of what you're doing. And God, I pray that we help you carry that milk jug, Lord. As we help you to, to share the gospel with others, God, however that looks for each of us, Lord, you'll make that way. You'll, you'll provide it, God. I pray that, that you just bless it, that you return it multiplied, Lord, that it would be used to bless you, and that your kingdom would grow so much in what you're going to do with it. Empower each of us to be able to do that, God. Give us the, uh, the boldness. Give us the, the willingness. But bless yourself with it, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.